it, denominationalism. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me, and you are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. I do not receive glory from men, but I know you that you do not have the love of God in yourselves. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you glory from one another and you do not seek the glory that is from the one and only God? Do not think that I will accuse you before the Father. The one who accuses you is Moses, in whom you have set your hopes. For if you believe Moses... You would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? As the Roman and Jewish leadership collaborated their rulership, they began to grow and enforce their dominance over the people. Many of them hoped for a better tomorrow. A brighter outlook during times of hunger, depravity, and elitism. However, all that they resolve themselves to do is to ask the question if anything good will happen to improve their circumstances. The Jewish people were tired and angry about being governed by the Pharisee-led self-righteousness that grew among people. The Romans did not care as long as they were respected and acknowledged as the upper class due to their stature in society. Many times, the called out people were reminded of the laws and customs of their God. Yet, they remained stiff-necked and influenced by other nations who lived among them. They began serving pagan gods and marrying other nations, which were acts of disobedience to God. For them, it appeared just as the Jewish wise king Solomon stated, For the thing that have been, it is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun that's found in Ecclesiastics, the first and the ninth verse. Many priests disagreed among themselves greatly about the second century B.C. A group of people named the Maccabees rose into power to enter the conflicts between the rival priests or priestly theologies and lower ranking priests. Most of the topics they disagreed on, including which temple was to be used the most or which temple teaching was better for the people. Consequently, the priests even disagreed on how consecrated the priests in position of power should be. 
The establishments of groups of people coming together has always alluded to problematic situations among them. When in the wilderness, the children of Israel murmured and complained to Moses about their circumstances. Primarily, they had forgotten the oppression that God delivered them from, only to seem ungrateful for their opportunity to know and love God for loving them first. The early disciples murmured and constantly wanted to know which among them was Jesus' favorite. Also, the early church fathers could not agree on the meaning of holiness, Holy Spirit, salvation, and sanctification as a body of Christ, which led to a protest and schism. Just as the children of Israel were scattered in the Old Testament, we can see Solomon's words revealing themselves in true form from millennia after millennia while still hoping for a priestly Messiah as foretold in Daniel the seventh to being like a son of man. Mark captures Jesus referring to himself as son of man 14 times and still Jesus did not concern himself with the disagreements that the scribes and Pharisees or common leaders struggled with, for he knew that his purpose was not to establish a man-made religion on earth, nor was he sent to oversee the humanistic character of the priest. Jesus was sent to fulfill written prophecy of the coming Messiah by revealing to the leaders of the spiritual qualifications that both sects must attain when he also gave them the conditions, the cause, and the effect of his mission as it is written in a prophetic announcement saying, The Spirit of God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prisons to them that are bound. That's found in Isaiah, the 61st chapter, first verse. The Pharisees and scribes continually disagreed on the liturgical theologies regarding ritual details. The most enthralling conflicts relating to the need for kingship, Green tells us, is that some evidently saw no need now for a king at all, albeit the high priests carried some royal power. Others wanted an overt recognition of the high priest as the king, while others hoped for or set about the creation of a diarchy, whereby a king and priest ruled together. Although the royal functions of the high priest were a well-established tradition grounded in scripture, all agreed that a king from the tribe of Judah could not function as a priest. The Holman Dictionary defines hope as a trustful expectation, particularly with reference to the fulfillment of God's promise. Biblical hope is the anticipation of a favorable outcome under God's guidance. 
More specifically, hope is the confidence that what God has done for us in the past guarantees our participation in what God will do in the future. This contrasts with the world's definition of hope as a feeling that what is wanted will happen. Understood in this way, hope can denote either a baseless optimism or a vague yearning after an unattainable good. If hope is to be genuine hope, it must be founded on something or someone which affords reasonable grounds for confidence in its fulfillment. The Bible bases its hope in God and its saving acts. Jesus is hope. His teaching was meant to bring hope that revealed love, mercy, and grace. Each parable provide grace and mercy. Even the story of the rich man at Lazarus showed mercy and grace because God's judgment was not defined based on what a person had materialistically. It revealed the actions from within the heart that defines the judgment. God said that outward appearance and riches or position does not matter to him at all. To clarify this, the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh at the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And that's found First Samuel 16 chapters, 6 through the 8th verse. John son of Zebedee, whom Jesus loved as a brother, also provided us with a deeper understanding of God's omnipresence when he told us that God is spirit and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. That's found in John 4 and the 24th verse. The it that shouldn't be in the church but is very prevalent, this unification of the body of Christ through denominationalism. This has continually scattered the church with deceptive and damaging schisms, dividing the core understanding of the Christian faith. Denominationalism and the leaders that subscribe to it have caused so many believers in Christ to fall away because of their struggles with sin or a lifestyle that does not align with God's plan for their lives. As believers, we can still love them enough to reach out to them and tell them that we understand their struggle and strongholds and God loves them. God, through His Son, Jesus, can help them and give them strength to fight temptations or habits that are detrimental to them and provide a means of deliverance and hope. We should not turn away anyone based on the doctrines or protocol that say a person must be born again without showing them how to be born again. We cannot assume that a person knows well enough when they are in rebellion to God's plan. However, 
If we continue to provoke a person to listen in judgment and not love, then we will effectively lose them to states of reprobation and depravity. The definition of the English word denomination comes from the Latin word denominare, which means to name. And many denominations reflect what are understood to have diverse and to reflect a wide range of distinctive beliefs and practices. However, denominations today can be defined as an association or fellowship of congregants within a religion that have the same beliefs or creed engage in similar practices and cooperate with each other to develop and maintain shared enterprises. Again, if we read the statement that Jesus said to Peter, and I say unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This is a clear indicator of Jesus' affirmation, which meant one church of the same heart, mind, and spirit working to proclaim the good news of love, faith, and salvation, and only requiring repentance of sin, refrain from sinful acts, and redemption of our sins as God's creation. This is why Jesus came to earth as fully man and fully divine. In his own words, he says, A thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and to destroy. I am come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. It's found in John 10th chapter, 10th verse. So what is life? One definition of life is a corresponding state existence or principle of existence conceived of as belonging to the soul. Jesus also made reference to the soul when he wanted his disciples to know that a person must deny himself, which is his pride, and follow him. He wanted them to finally understand that his church is not founded on prideful presuppositions of salvation or the presumption that if we extrapolate a particular scripture from an entire Bible and form an assumption to build doctrine, then they are not following the true path of teaching that he was teaching and instructing each follower follower to adhere to. Jesus warned his murmuring and often jealous disciples to know that salvation through his church is not merited based on one particular passage or groups of scripture, then this is a prideful assumption that your understanding has found a new answer to salvation in God. In the Bible, John tells us that that there are three characteristics of sin that 
every man must acknowledge and address as a calendar of their behavior. John says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of this world. And that's found in 1 John, 2nd chapter, 16th verse. Therefore, when a denomination is created by man, we must thoroughly examine if the formation of the denomination were formed by pride and believing that their way is the only way to salvation with a mixture of protocols and qualifications that were misconstrued from biblical texts. These actions and schism ideologies unknowingly orchestrated the slow and methodological separation from God's plan, which was that he revealed himself to his people and to the world. Jesus said in Mark, the third chapter, 24th to 25th verse, and if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. When we think of a house being divided against itself, we can point our attention to what the church has done to our Christian faith without remembering what Jesus stated that if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. The foundation of the church, Petra, rock, is what Jesus was talking about. Not the man, Peter, but the spiritual insight that was given to him by God that revealed Christ is the chief cornerstone, thereby the cornerstone and destiny of the cornerstone's teaching must be adhered to at all times. For it is his teaching statements of love, hope, and faith that our churches must be built upon. Hope is what is needed in the churches today in order to fight against the persecution from other worldviews and denominational divisions. The doctrinal beliefs that try to diminish the message of hope, faith, and love and the reformation from sin and rebellion. Jesus made this statement which should be the granite within the cornerstone that solidifies our faith in knowing that what we believe and choose to understand cannot be chipped away or sandblasted because it will result in a catastrophic failure of Jesus' purpose for being crucified for the sins of mankind. Regardless of the sin or disbelief that you subscribe to, the fact is clear that Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, If it were not so, I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And whether I go, ye know. And the way ye know, 
Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whether thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's found in John the 14th chapter, first through the sixth verse. Therefore, hope is truly what helps us believe that if we live right, heaven will be our home. Hope allows us to believe that the message of salvation is for anyone who receives it. Just like the Ethiopian eunuch on the road who was immediately baptized in a puddle of water by Philip. Although he did not fully know or understand what he read, he believed enough in the hope of a better life if he trusted in the good news of salvation. Another example of God's love through his son Jesus and the infilling of the Holy Spirit unto redemption was the Samaritan woman at the well who was involved in unbecoming activity in which she was also saved by her hope and faith in the message that Jesus spoke to her. Each of them believed and hoped in something greater than their circumstance. And God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit was all there working to offer and precipitate something that no man, religion, or church could offer the called out assembly. And that is salvation. What can we discern from understanding our faith and our belief as Christians? The first understanding of the term Christian is derived from the word Christ ones or those belonging to Christ, of which in the first establishment of the Church of Antioch, the Antiochians made fun of the Christians and used the word Christians as a term of derision, an appellation of ridicule. Additionally, if we are considered to proclaim ourselves individually to become a Christian, then a group of called out ones is therefore considered Christians. There should not be a difference based on different interpretations of Paul's writing, Peter's writings, or the rest of the apostles. This desecrates the message of Jesus Christ and the fulfillment statement, the thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly because we are taking the divine position of Jesus and usurping with the letters of Paul and the teachings of Peter or other apostles. Therefore, the Christian church is standing on false ground when we boast that we are denominationally called Christians because the true teachings of Christ isn't firmly upheld. In fact, shouldn't it be called Peter denomination or Paul denomination? And finally, the apostolic denomination? 
This is what the Roman Catholics did in the first century, thereby instigating false teaching of salvation and holiness in the Christian church. We cannot solely rely on interpretation of scriptures to be passed down from someone else. Every scripture has a core message of hope and love within them. However, we must always be aware that God is a God that requires obedience, respect, and reverence. Therefore, avoiding the it means that we must not allow the pride of a leader or a great teacher to become our total and complete perspective into the heart and mind of God. He provided every individual with the means of reconciling themselves back to him. God wants us to connect with him on an individual level without hesitation to knowing God's plan for each of us. God spoke to the Israelites in the Old Testament to give them reassurance of his overarching love and desire for them. If they allowed themselves as individuals to give their lives to him in obedience and trust, God spoke these words to the prophet Jeremiah as an affirmation to his omnipresence and all things when he said, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, said the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. That's found in Jeremiah 29, chapter 11, verse. It is God's divine plan for everyone to see his thoughts and plans for themselves as a golden opportunity to understand that a purpose greater than themselves is at work and to follow that purpose in peace and love. <clears throat> Knowing that you are fulfilling a greater calling than your personal plan or aspiration, Understanding this, we can see how the Holy Bible acts as a chronology of the total and complete intelligent design of God's objective of his divine providence. Importantly, Jesus wanted the world to know something greater than himself. He wanted the world to know his father and that his father loves everyone and does not desire that one should perish but come to repentance meaning to refrain and repent from the lifestyle that causes emotional or bodily harm and would cause God's rejection because of an unwillingness to return to build a relationship with him in society many people believe that they have a God-given right to live and make decisions that they feel comfortable with based on their own intellect or feelings with no regard to a higher moral accountability. Elwell tells us that this is secularism, which is derived from the word secluum, referred to a generation or an age Secular came to mean belonging to this age, worldly. Basically, what it's saying is that secular denies the 
Eoa excludes the notion of transcendent or otherworldly and non-ecclesiastical authority. There must be balance in life that reveals the ability to have human thoughts, but allow those thoughts to be balanced with moral influence and guidance. This is the original premise of the biblical scriptures. The Bible is the foundational writings of Christian faith. The Bible was composed to be a template for everyday life of the believer in Jesus Christ. The Bible is characterized as an instructional guide to help us balance our lives with historical teachings and stories of hope, love, obedience, faith, and salvation. To affirm this, the Bible clearly provides believers in the scripture that mandates this, which is found in 2 Timothy 3, chapter 16 to the 17th verse. As it says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. God's inspiration is very simple and plain. He wants to love his creation and he wants to talk to them and know that they want to talk to him. He wants a lasting relationship with him, which means he wants us to build a moral and ethical relationship with him. This is why he provided us with civil, moral, and ethical rules to live by as believers in his existence. Additionally, Jesus was able to give an overarching and awesome summation that all mankind can relate to and understand as being the basic catalyst for each of us at the very core of humanity and possibly agree with. Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. That's found in Matthew 22nd chapter 37 through the 40th verse. This is a general way to understand the foundation of Jesus' teaching. God loved his creation so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to die for our sins. You see, the love that God showed us is all that he is expecting from us in return. And that is to return to him and make him priority and the first love of our lives. Loving God is and loving our neighbors should be fluid without hesitation or remorse. This is what the Bible tells us is God's original plan for us, his creation. However, rebellion and depravity cause 
people to refuse to listen to the guidance of God and ultimately turn and listen to other influences that captured their hearts and enticed them to reject the teachings and love of God. Society has quantified love and relationship in various depictions. Many of us witness how love joins people together after tragedy to stand united against careless acts of violence. This is what God commanded us to adhere to, which is not to kill. However, regardless of the written and spiritual understanding of not killing one another, we still engage in killing, stealing, and defying the remaining commandments that God purposely gave us to live by. This is due to the choice to listen to an immoral and unrepentant characteristic inside of our minds. Unbelievers may call this immorality, choice, and free will, but believers call this sin and rebellion against God's will and plan. The Bible is inspired by God, but written by man to allow the message of hope to be revealed in all our understanding of the scripture. Regardless if you have seen how God judges those that disobey him, he still loves us everlastingly with desires that we will make the personal choice to repent and return to him. God said this in his own words to the children of Israel when they started serving other gods and excommunicating themselves from him and desiring kings to rule over them. God still loved them unconditionally to provide a choice by telling them that if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. That's found in 2 Chronicles 7, 14 verse. He loves us enough by revealing to us when we are sinners who committed disobediences and by touching our hearts through trials and tests to tell us in our pain and trouble to humble ourselves and pray. We must be willing to individually repent and refrain from our desires to not listen. This is why it is so important to search the scripture to find the author's meaning and the background story and to find the relevance and social intent of the particular text. Conversely, we must then pray and seek the guidance of the Holy Spirit to help us understand the spiritual meaning and what spiritual messages God desires that we understand in order for us to better glorify Him on earth as it is in heaven.